It's really wonderful to be with you this morning. And uh, yeah, as Clayton said, I've really enjoyed the week so much with you. It's been really, really nice. And I love staying at people's homes. I'm not really a hotel person. And so it's thank you for not putting me in a hotel. Hallelujah. So we're looking forward to spending this morning with you. And I have a message on my heart this morning to share with you. And I call it the day of restoration is a day of joy. Is that true? Yeah, it's a day of joy. I think fascinating is the fact that wherever people got into the presence of God, they got more joy than they bargained for. And they usually go home more happy. It's one of the signs that you've been in the presence of God. Unless, of course, we're doing something that God doesn't like, right? But normally, uh, you sh we leave there. And I think it's fascinating because the Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. I mean, not just a little touch, right? I mean, fullness of joy. I mean, have you ever seen fullness of joy? And I think sometimes in our generation, when somebody is a little over happy, we first ask ourselves, what's wrong? <laughs> because in our generation, we're so primed now to, you know, not be happy. And people are doing everything to be happy. And, you know, and so God's house, you won't believe it. It's a place of joy. Seriously. It's a place of life and joy. I mean, you will believe it. I mean, just in the sense of, so English is not my first language anymore. So I'm sorry if I say things, I'm just, you know, the Lord will just correct it from the microphone into your ear. It will just be corrected right there as it comes. So the day of restoration is a day of joy. I love natural Israel. I believe that God has uh, still got something ahead for natural Israel. And of course, I love the church. And it's so fascinating to see the parallels sometimes. I'm definitely not a replacement theology person. I believe that God still has a plan with natural Israel. And, but it's wonderful to see all these things. And we can take it as admonitions for us. We can take it as examples for us as well. Love the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Love study. It's been wonderful to be with Clayton. I'm not saying that because he's here and he's, uh, he's the leader here. But uh, it's amazing. he's like a walking university of the word. It's unbelievable. It's amazing. And so it's been wonderful. And you know, this wonderful thing when the prophetic and teaching comes together. It's really, there's, there's something that gets released. And so I just have a few pictures to show you. Of course, the first temple. And the Temple of Solomon, you know, it was one of the best, one of the nicest buildings. This is, of course, not the exact selfie of the time. Well, let's say it was, and you know, it's not my fault, it's the cameras of back then. But uh, of course, it was one of the grandest buildings at the time. And people traveled from so far for the Solomon Temple. And it's amazing to see, you know, all the details. The next picture is just kind of like an artist explanation of how grand it was, how amazing it was, the first temple. Next one is just, uh, once again, it was huge, and all the priests offering, and the praises unto the Lord, and ah, oh, wonderful. And we think ourselves, a temple? Why? And it's interesting because the temple is really, it's the personification of the fact that God wants to dwell with us. Yes, God sometimes visits, but he wants to come and dwell with us. Since Adam, it's been his heart's desire to dwell with us. You all know the history. The temple gets destroyed. 
And there's a few pictures for those of you that has been to Israel and has been on the Temple Mount and around the Temple Mount. And you see, you know, all those blocks and the, the destruction. I found something interesting just to read to you about the destruction of the Temple in 425. And it's fascinating that the first and the second temples were destroyed exactly on the same day, the ninth day of Av in the Hebrew calendar. And it's fascinating, you know, all the prophecies and all that that went before. And of course, we know it wasn't God's heart. It wasn't his desire to see, you know, the enemies of God and of his people at the time come in and cause the destruction. How terrible it must have been. But look at this. On the ninth day of Av, towards the evening, the holy temple was set on fire. Oh, you can imagine what that was like. I mean, you know, the promise to David, his son building the temple and no longer having to carry the Ark of the Covenant, um, you know, as a mobile dwelling place for God. Now we're having a permanent house for the presence of God. And now that gets destroyed. This is just interesting. I found out of the Talmud, the fire burned for 24 hours. Our sages taught when the first holy temple was destroyed, groups of young priests gathered with the keys to the sanctuary in their hands. They ascended to the roof and declared, Master of the world, since we have not merited to be trustworthy custodians, let the keys be given back to you. And then they threw the keys towards heaven. This is in the, you know, the Jewish Talmud. Then they threw the keys towards the heaven and a hand emerged and received them. And the priests then threw themselves into the fire. Terrible, the, dis the feeling of destruction. The feeling of a promise that is destroyed. The feeling of a dwelling place, you know, where the presence of God was. Fascinating in the tabernacle of Moses, you're all familiar with, you know, with the mobile, so we say dwelling place. From the outside, they covered it with badger skins. And the badger skins are not attractive. It doesn't look attractive from the outside. But when you went in, even into the tabernacle of Moses, in the holy place and into the most holy place, you suddenly found out that everything was made out of pure gold. And it's exactly like that for the Christian walk. Unless you come in from the outside, you never understand why are these people so excited about this? I mean, they go to church nearly every day and they still want to go. And they say, well, we've been. That's why we don't go. <laughs> and it's fascinating because then it doesn't look attractive. But you know, the moment you come in, isn't it? This morning as we started worshiping and we come into the presence of God and the gold and the spirit and the, you know, the things start manifesting. You're like, oh God, ah, in the temple, every cry, everything cries holy and everything is made out of pure gold. And so the temple is destroyed. And I wanted to, to show this as a symbol of the destruction that had taken place with the church. The church on the day of, you know, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, as the church is the first church like that is formed. I mean, the glory of God that was present, the miracles, God just adding to the church in one day like 3,000 people, you know. All the stuff that happened in the first church and then we saw the destruction as through the ages, the church had experienced this 
to be destroyed in a sense, like the tabernacles, like the Jewish temples back then. And so this morning, we're going to see a little bit about the restoration as it is now restored. Of course, Israel goes into 70 years of Babylonian captivity. Yes, Jeremiah prophesied, and they're going into the captivity. And whilst they were there, there were other prophets And they said, no, don't worry, it's not going to be so long. You know, we'll come out of here. And Jeremiah said, don't you listen. Don't listen to their words. It will be 70 years, (laughs) a generation. And it's going to take this time. But wonderfully, you all know the history. Daniel starts studying that which God said in the past. Because everything God does today, he said in the past. Everything God does today, he said in the past. And so he studies, and you all know the scripture, he finds out, who the 70 years are almost over. They try to hasten the process, and there's some administrators and whatever, and they kind of like delaying it. But I tell you, God allowed it because his word will come to pass exactly as he said it. Our God is a God that doesn't just give his word. He will keep it. Because we have to keep our part. And exactly on the day, they leave and they go back now. Ezra, we're going to look at a few scriptures in the book of Ezra today. Ezra 1 verse 1, now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia. And I tell you something, that's where we're at now as well in our generation That the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah be fulfilled. God watches over his word. That's why a prophetic word, God will watch over it. Because he wants to bring it to pass. Exactly like he said. A sad thing about our generation is that, yeah, maybe we've not really, we've lost a lot about keeping our word. I work mostly in the German-speaking world, (laughs) Germany and Austria and uh, Switzerland. And when I first went there, you know, coming from Africa, we've got some other wonderful things in Africa. uh, But we're we're not so strong on keeping our word when it comes to time. (laughs) And when I first traveled, and when I first started traveling in the beginning 90s, actually 1990, in Germany, the wall had just come down, all this stuff. And then, you know, they already had these very, very fast trains. I don't know how many of you have been on the fast trains over there. And so the train on my program, it said the train is going at 10.12. 10.12, 12 minutes past 10. I looked at that. I thought, that is so inhuman. Why can't make it make it a nice number like ten fifteen? You know what I mean? Make it nice. You know why ten twelve? And then I also thought it probably won't go at ten twelve. You know, no. But I remembered standing on the platform at ten, and oh, my word, like ten ten, there was still nothing. But ten eleven, a train came, and the watch went off. And as the second hand went hmm, for 10, 12, it went. <laughs> I thought, my goodness, the train actually goes at 10, 12. <laughs> and so for somebody that was born in Africa, you know, I really had to work with that. You know, really, really. I really had to. In England, we always think that maybe that's the, they mean the date. The date. <laughs> And then back then, you know, we had trains in England that they looked like Queen Victoria was going to step out of it any minute. 
Now not anymore. But you know what I'm saying. And so interesting here is that exactly, and God will keep his word, exactly. I think it's phenomenal if we in our endeavor really try with our all our hearts to keep our words. It's vital to the youth generation so that, you know, when we make a promise, that's coming at five. They'd rather not say you're coming at five than say you're coming at five and don't come. Because then when they have to believe God, they don't, can't believe anymore that, you know, because we're used to, we train them not to believe. And so fascinating is exactly to the day. Yeah, Jeremiah's word comes to pass. Look at this. That he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven, have given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Isn't it amazing that a Babylonian king can be stirred by the God in heaven? Hallelujah. That's going to happen again today. In fact, it's already happening. And it's happening a lot coming here from your country. That people are being stirred. The fact that Jerusalem is again the capital of Israel. Wow. Great. Congratulations. <laughs> that that happened. Look at this. Verse 5, then rose up the chief of the fathers of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites with all them whose spirit God had raised up. Now the tabernacle or the temple is destroyed in Jerusalem and they're coming back from the Babylonian captivity whom the spirit of the Lord had raised to go up to build the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. It's fascinating that God is a builder and the enemy is a breaker downer. I'm not sure what part of English that is, but a breaker downer. God builds in our lives, the enemy breaks down. It is incredible. And we want to build and work from the right side and rather be builders, amen, than breaker downers. And so now the house is being rebuilt in Jerusalem. Look. Verse 1, and when the seventh month was come and the children of Israel were in their cities, the people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. 42, 43,000, every name of every person who's going to return back from the Babylonian captivity was mentioned. Even how many horses they had. I read the other day, I think five knives. It was all written down. And every vessel that was taken from the temple, taken to, Babylon, to the Babylonian temples, was returned back. Yes, God builds. Yes, the enemy breaks down. Yes, God restores. Amen. Hallelujah. Our God restores. And he'll restore again and again. But the people were one. You know, unity is so, so important. And we'll talk about unity in a minute because this house, and it's wonderful that you're here today. And ask God if you should give your heart to the vision. And if so, then, oh, let's give our hearts to the vision. 
Because unity is so important. They were with one heart, with one mind. Yes, we have a vision. We are focused. We want to rebuild the temple. Interesting what Jesus said in the book of Luke 11.23. He that is not with me is against me. It's not just good enough to be not against. It's very important to be for. And often we think, well, you know, I'm not against what they're doing, but are we for? And then Jesus said it in another way, in Mark, for he that is not against us is on our part or for us. So often we will go, we're not against what they're doing, but not being against it doesn't mean you're for it. We sometimes reserve, kind of like I keep it open, and we'll kind of see where this develops into. That's not unity. Yes, we're not critical, but we're not, you know what I mean? And it's fascinating because neutrality is the open door to disunity, criticism, and doubt. And I'm not sure here with, in your wonderful country, in Europe and in the UK and the rest of Scandinavia where I work, this is the incredible problem, is this skepticism and the right to reserve, to see where is it going to, what it, will it develop into? So I'm not against, but when I'm not against, I might not yet still be for. To be actively for something will bring the unity, not the lack of being against it. It's very important. Yeah, but maybe they still go and maybe they still do something wrong. Yeah, maybe. But God is building and he's restoring the church and we have to trust that he is bringing the right people and the team, their hearts are right. And yes, there might be some things I don't agree with, but, you know, let's be for and not, not just not against. And look what happens. Now the building starts. And when the builders laid the foundations, you know, these were specialized people. We need specialized building, especially at the time of restoration, even in the body and the church of Christ. We can't just build like we think. And some are specialized, especially the prophetic and the apostolic anointings. Those are ministries that lay foundations and they're good at what they do <laughs> and we need specialized people especially when the foundations you know are worked on of the temple of the lord they set the priests in their apparel with trumpets and levites the sons of asaph with cymbals to praise the lord the foundation is being laid again one of the first stones, one of the first anointings during the foundation laying is the praises unto the Lord. You know, it's God's house. It's unto the Lord. It's first unto the Lord and then unto man. Not first unto man and then let's see if God likes it. 
is unto the Lord. And in the foundations were the praise. Look at this. And they just didn't do it like any old way. There was a plan they could follow. It was the ordinances or the things that God already said through David. Even restoring today, even the restoring the house of God today, we don't have to ask God for a brand new plan from heaven. We've already got it. Just go according to it. And look what happens. The building is now going to be built, the foundations, the priests, everything. Look at verse 11. And they sang together. Ha! Ah, during building, one of the... One of the things that you need to do while you're building is sing, man. That's why I'm saying, let's sing it again. A worship. And so, here, yeah, they sang by course and praising and giving thanks unto the Lord. Why? Because he is good. Our generation really need a further revelation of the goodness of God. They sang for he is good, but they've just returned from 70 years and the Babylonian captivity because of their own fault. They return and they sing and they get there and it's all destroyed. Remember the stones I showed you? The temple mount destroyed. There was this glorious temple. They say in the evening, but that was with the second temple. But they say the sun would, as the sun would go down, set at night, the temple would actually glow. It looked like it was, there were diamonds that were in the stones. It actually looked like it was glowing from within. And people came, as I said, from far away just to see the beauty of the temple from the outside. And inside, ah, the presence of God. And now they're singing. For he is good. For his mercy endureth. Towards Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout. When they praised the Lord. Because the foundation of the Lord's house was laid. The second time. The foundations were laid. Do you know, foundations are prophetic about the future. When you built your house at home, you laid the foundations. You, people came and you showed them, oh, here is going to be the kitchen. And they looked at the foundations and they went, oh, you're building a big kitchen, huh? And then over here, what are you going to do? Oh, I can see from the foundations that you're doing this. Oh, I can see here you're going to do that. That's why foundations are important. Don't build until or just on anything. Make sure the foundations are right. <laughs> because if we just build, it's no wonder, you know, a church is here today and it's gone tomorrow and you know, and a big place comes tumbling down the mountain like, and you're like, what? We can't have that again in and, and our generation. There's not enough time left. <laughs> and that's why foundations, but they, they're excited. They can't see the building yet. They can't see the structure. Just the foundations. 
allayed with praise and with the goodness of God. Look at this. Because the foundation was laid and it says there, all the people shouted. <laughs> you may think, oh, you know, I'm not the shouting type. I'm a, more the lamb-like. You know, I, I, you know, no, 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 no. We, we, you know, I come from a family of non-shouters. <laughs> you know, I get excited, but nobody knows it. <laughs> and, and I praise as well, but it's inside. I call it stethoscopic praise. God has to take his stethoscope and listen. I like it. Sing it again. It's very soft. Again? Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, all the people. You know, there was excitement. Why? Oh, because the restoration is taking place. Man, we need some people today that are just not so critical of, about the current condition of the church. We need some people with excitement that say, hey man, God's not finished. We don't need people that say, I'm so sorry, did I sing too loud? I'll go, I'll revert to stethoscopic praise. I dance to the Lord here, and he sees it. Yeah, right. Do you, you know, there's something about it. And I think, you know, I grew up in a very traditional church. I was totally shocked the first time I saw people really praising God. I mean, I really was. And for me, it took also a long time to get my hands up inside. It took several months before my first hand went up on the outside. I know what it's like. But there's something about being for it and not just not against it. You know, people come and they say, you know, no, no, I'm not against, I'm not against tongues. Mm -mm. I'm not, look, no, we're not against it. You know? I, I, and we have a lady in our church that dances. And uh, you're not against it. You're like, fine, but are you for it? Because that will make the actual unity that does something in the spirit. Look what happens. All the people. Verse 12. But look at this amazing verse. But many of the priests and the Levites and the chief of the fathers who were from the previous generation. Ancient men. Oh, when does that happen? What year? I mean, what age? Oh, anyway. <laughs> I, I, I'm in the place now where, you know, my weight and my age is almost... No, no. No, so... 
And so I have to be careful when they ask me, how, what is your age? I don't give them my weight. But anyway, these were ancient men, the previous generation, that had seen the first house. Just imagine this. These people had seen the first house. The glory, the beauty, the presence of God. They'd seen it. Then they went to 70 years of Babylonian captivity, however old they were when they left. And now they hear that Cyrus, oh, the Babylonian king, is going to pay for them to go back. He's going to pay for the building of the temple. Listen, man, can God do the impossible? I mean, can God do the impossible? And so now they come back. And they're like, oh, you know, if I could tell you what it was like before we left here. They had seen the first house. But when the foundations of this house was laid before their eyes, they wept with a loud voice. <laughs> you know, destruction is terrible. And when the enemy comes in and he steals and he kills from our lives and things happen to good people and bad things happen to good people that you cannot explain why and you can't tell them why this happened it's not because they didn't pray enough it's not because they didn't do too much enough warfare it might be but it's not always but these men come back and they look and they stand there and they started weeping because they remembered how good it was. How easy they could have entered into bitterness against God. God, I served you back then. But because my people didn't. Or because this happened. Or because in my family. Or a door was opened. Or, or, or look at what happened to me. And now I come back and I remember how good it was. And they wept. And many shouted aloud for joy. But look at this. The old generation saw before their eyes that God still has a future plan. Even though they experienced the destruction in their generation. We hear, and it's normal. We hear people say, oh, you know, I, was, I spoke to a man that was healed in a Catherine Kuhlman meeting here in St. Louis or somewhere. And he had a pacemaker in the 60s. He had a pacemaker in, built in. And he went to a Catherine Kuhlman meeting. And he wasn't just healed from his heart. The pacemaker was completely gone. And she didn't touch him. She just said, there's a man there being healed from a heart condition. He went back to the surgeon to check. And the surgeon said, why did you not tell me that you're going to a plastic surgeon to have it removed? Because it's so well done. And the battery that was under here, you know, back then. And we look at that in our generation often. And we think to ourselves, we weep about it, don't we? And we're like, I'm so, oh, if we could just experience that. But our generation has missed God so badly. And yeah, and this, 
and the condition of the church. And maybe people are saying, is this the great falling away? And you're like, oh, yeah. And the compromise. And we stand there, we're like, oh, all I can do is weep. Like, oh, Jesus, are you coming back for this? I wouldn't. <laughs> but look what happens. Today, God still has a future plan for his house. Even if the enemy destroyed his house in the past. Look at this great verse, 13. They shouted aloud for joy. So that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout. Yes, there was weeping at the current condition when they saw the destruction. When they remembered how good it was. But the noise of the shouts was louder than the tears of the disappointment. God wants my shouts of joy about the future to be louder than my tears of sadness about the destruction of the past. I ask you as a church, will your shouts of joy be louder than your tears of disappointment. You know, as a Christian, one of the greatest things we have to watch out for is bitterness towards God. But God never did something. This happened. The word says this, but this happened in my life. And I can't explain this. The temple was destroyed. Totally removed. Yet the same people came back, cried over it. But there was the joy was louder than the tears. And boy, does that cut deep in our hearts. The times I've sat at a piano praising God about the fact that he is good. And my entire mind says, are you crazy? The times that I clap my hands, I lift my hands, I sing, Lord, you are good. My brain says, for what? But I tell you something, when that happens, a future gets released. Not a past. A past power is broken and a future is released. Our cities, our countries, our states, our we need people with a vision what God is still going to do. Not what the devil destroyed. And we need people that actively yes it. 
the fact that you never that you never criticize or the fact that you never against doesn't mean you're for yeah but my doctrine and you know where i came from and you know and uh, I, I i want to reserve the right to at some point say i'm out of here then you're not for but you're not against <laughs> look what happened they shouted with a loud shout and the noise was heard afar off not the weeping the noise of shouting the excitement let that which come from your life be not the weeping the shouting of excitement of what God is still going to do in the future even though when we look at it we see oh oh guys oh it looks almost like the temple mount I'm almost through. They heard from afar off. Come on, man. We need, to ex we need to proclaim to the generations now that's still coming. For he is good and his mercy endureth forever. Yes, the church is not where she was as she was in the book of Acts. But I yes, the enemy came. Yes, maybe the church looks exactly like the Temple Mount at the moment. But God's not finished. God's not finished. You know, God's not finished. I went up the Temple Mount last year. For those of you who have been up there, and I stood up there, and you know, as you put your foot on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, it's just, I tell Clayton, there's just a presence. I was just like, whoo! It's like you step into a portal. It's just, whoo! You know, and you know, yes, you're being watched. And in front of us, uh, they had just taken a, a uh, they had just uh, unclothed a, a guy completely uh, because they were thinking that he was carrying a gun. So our group was like standing there and they were like, and he's lying on the floor, not that one of ours, but you know, it's like, and then you take those wooden steps, you know, and you get onto the Temple Mount and then, you know, there's the Al-Aqsa Mosque and, and, and you're standing there and it's like, whoo. And I'm thinking, oh. And then I look in the natural, and there's nothing. And there's the Dome of the Rock, and you think, I went in there when I was 13, and we couldn't get in there that day. There's the foundation stone where Abraham offered Isaac, and we can't even get in there. And I'm standing there, and I'm like, oh, oh. But in the spirit, I feel, whoo, it's like God's right there. You know? And I'm thinking, oh, God, what's, what else do you still want to do? We're almost through. Let the shout of joy about today and tomorrow be louder than the tears and the cries due to the destruction of yesterday. We can all have a pretty party, invite people to our house, Get some food that really is really bad. And then everybody tells how bad it was the last 20 years. And in the end we sing, no one is so hurt like me. 
And we end the meeting by singing, I exalt me. And towards the very end, we sing, I love me, Lord. You know? We can all do that. You know, and then go home, and then that's it, like. Or can we come together and say, you know what? I still believe he's good. I still believe he's good. I still believe he's good. Fascinating, before we're going to sing this song, is in Ezra 4. And I want to just quickly say this because you see this maybe not as much as we do. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the children of the captivity built the temple unto the Lord, in our God of Israel, then they came to Zerubbabel and to the chief of the fathers and said to him, let us build with you. Uh-huh. For we seek your God. Oh, yeah? As you do, and we do sacrifice unto him since the days of the Hallelujah King of Azur, which brought you up here. Huh? Suddenly, these people want to join. <laughs> but, verse 8, Serababel and Yeshua, and the rest of the chief of the fathers of Israel, not the young people in the sense that, I mean, young, youngsters that can't discern. The father said to them, you have nothing to do with us to build an house unto our God. But we ourselves together will build unto the Lord God of Israel. Verse 4, then the people of the land weakened the house of the people of Judah. And troubled them in building. The people of the land. Not the people of the spirit. The people of the land. Oh, we like to come to your church. But you know, can't you do it like for me a little more? Because I want to bring people that like, you know, I want to bring people that are living quite completely out of the scriptures, and I want them to feel at home with you. And then we want to love God together. Love. And it let me tell you this. One world religion is a few moments away. And it's not the house of God. It's not the house of God. Every house is not a house of God. And we need mature people. And we need some people with guts in the pulpit now. Hmm? We don't need, you know, we, we call it in uh, German um, uh, a washcloth. When somebody is like, uh, you know, like a washcloth. Oh, yeah, wishy-washy, yeah, washcloth. You know, we need some people that can say, no, that's not, that's not, that's not the house of God. And no, you're not going to build with us. Because we want the presence in the house. Hallelujah. 
just to bless you. Next picture is exactly what you see it is. It is a cow with a calf. And just fascinating because, you know, we said often that which is happening in the natural is a reflection of what's happening in the spirit and vice versa. Do you know about in Israel two, three weeks ago, they were able to bring forth the red heifer? They haven't done it for 2,000 years. The red heifer is a red cow, a calf, a lady calf. <laughs> is there a special word for it? No? <laughs> huh? Yeah. <laughs> you see, my language is so messed up. I, don't, I can say really terrible things, but <laughs> it was a lady calf. And, and, and this is, you need the ashes of the red heifer to be sprinkled before you can rebuild the temple. And they have not been able to bring it forth. They tried even here in your wonderful country to bring forth a red heifer, and it came forth, and, but unfortunately it was not a lady. It was a sun cow. <laughs> Calf. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I would not be offended if you say, I get that, I get that. And so... <laughs> and so <laughs> but they were able to bring it forth. And there's now a red heifer. And they thought three years ago they got one. But they f then a few little black hairs did grow out somewhere. It's got to be, and it's got to be examined by the rabbis. Is that interesting? Is that interesting? We wonder how far we are from building the natural temple. We are, I wonder. I hope you pull... I hope America will keep on standing with Israel. <laughs> Lastly, this morning, verse 11. And they sang together by chorus in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord. Why did they sing? Because the past was bad. We went to Babylon. Now, we came back, and we'll see what happens. We're not against it, but we'll see. What did they sing? For the Lord is, for his mercy endureth. Out of the Babylonian captivity, destruction of the temple, all the things that had grieved God's heart more than it grieved people because they would not be obedient. But yet, there was a people that said, in spite of this, I will sing for his good, for his mercy endureth. Will your shout, will my shouts of praise be louder than my tears of disappointment? Shall we pray together?